your Bible, we read text for a message this morning from the book of Job, chapter 8, and verse 8 through verse 15. You'll know this to be some of the dialogue from Bildad, one of Job's friends. And among other things, he had this to say. For inquire, of course he's speaking to Job, inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. And then there is this parenthetical in verse 9. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing. Because our days upon earth are a shame. Then he takes back up at verse 10. In verse 8, he had admonished Job to go to the fathers and search them. Shall not they teach thee and tell thee and utter words out of their heart? Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? Whilst it is yet in his greenness and not cut down, it withered before any other earth. So are the paths of all that forget God. And the hypocrite's hope shall perish. Whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's will. He shall lean upon his house. But it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast. But it shall not endure. Turn with me in your hymn book please. And stand with me again. Sing with me number 462. Desires 
vain regrets or things as vain. Lips to seldom talk to praise, off to murmur and complain. These and every secret fall, filled with grief and shame, we hold humble. We lie seeking pardon from thy throne. God of mercy, God of grace, hear our sad repentant songs. Go restore thy suppliant race. Thou to whom our praise belongs. Thank you. Be seated. You know nothing because. Subtitle, Preparation for Eternity. If I were to ask almost any one of you this morning, which book of the Bible is the book of wisdom? I have no doubt, but that you would almost certainly answer the book of Proverbs, of course. And you'd no doubt be right. But here this morning, we open our ears and open our hearts to a book that surely comes in at a close second. In answer to that question, what is the book of the Bible most filled with wisdom? We come to this book, the book of Job. Like the book of Proverbs, it is pregnant with the wisdom of God. And in the unfolding of that wisdom, right at the beginning of the path to true knowledge is a gate over which there is this sign. Let me say again that I said on the path to true knowledge there's a gate and over that gate is a sign and on it is written these words you know nothing. None will begin to attain to useful knowledge until they have first taken their seat at the fountain of knowledge and apprehended this most elementary lesson of all. You know 
nothing. This is one of the great defects in the philosophy of modern education. The philosophy of humanism is that man has within him everything he needs. He just needs some help in figuring out how to find. And if there is anything that he cannot find in the resources of his own person, well then there's always Google. <laughs> and with Google, he can know it all. And this pervasive philosophy has strapped us with a generation that has never entered the path of true knowledge because they've never come in at the gate that informs them that they know nothing. But I've not come to preach to you this morning about the ills of modern education or the ills of our modern culture, although its decay seems ever before our eyes. But I've not come to preach to you about that, but rather I've come to take up the knowledge of a subject far more valuable to the consideration of every living soul. I've come to take up knowledge in the classroom on the subject of death and the world beyond. I said preparation for eternity. It is this lesson, it is this class, it is this subject, that Bildad takes up here in Job chapter 8. I give you this morning in very simple outline knowledge, knowledge of eternal value on this paramount subject. We come into this world naked and ignorant. Yes, possessing the image of God. The image of God in that we are eternal souls. But we come in this world horribly marred by Adam's fall. We are depraved. We are ignorant. And not just ignorant, not just ignorant, but averse to knowledge, averse to the knowledge of truth, inclined from birth, in every way inclined to ignorance, 
And in the words of John 3 and verse 19, loving darkness rather than light. Our case is so desperate that we are not just ignorant. We are incurably bent against knowledge, away from knowledge and toward ignorance. If this malady is ever to be corrected, or if I would follow my own analogy this morning, if this habit of willful ignorance is ever to be unlearned, it will be done only by revelation from the God of light, instruction from the infinite instructor, tutelage from the eternal tutor. That is a precisely the design of our text this morning. Preparation to eternity by receiving instruction tutelage from the great tutor. And so I give you in simple outline form. First of all, the cause for our need. Or to put it in a question form, why are we so ignorant? <laughs> the cause for our need. Why are we so ignorant? Well, First, I've already given it to you. We are so ignorant because of the fall of our father Adam in Genesis chapter 3. I think that one of the most helpful and enlightening pieces of knowledge I came to when I came from my Armenian roots to the doctrine of grace was to realize how fallen the fall is. Not any part of the human person was untouched by the fall. Everything was marred. Every aspect of man was marred. And in the words of our brother Jack Seaton, Adam died. The Lord said in the day ye eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Dying ye shall die. And every aspect of knowledge was marred in that fall. I know the world denies it. I know the modern education system and philosophy Screams against it. But it is so. Why? What is the cause of our great need? Why are we so ignorant? Because our father Adam stripped us of all knowledge by separation from the God of knowledge. But secondly, we learn in a more close proximity to ourselves we learn something, another reason why we're so ignorant. In verse 9, 
for we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days upon earth are a shadow. Secondly, we find from our text that the cause of our need, why are we so ignorant, is this, because our days on earth are as a shadow. It's the problem of brevity. <laughs> you understand? It's the problem of brevity. That's why, at least in a general way, it may be said, a general rule, a man has more knowledge when he's older. As he gets older, he gains knowledge and accumulates knowledge and develops wisdom to use that knowledge. With his age, and that's true, it should be true, it ought to be true, and typically it is true. But here's the problem, he's only got a short time. He runs out of time long before he runs out of knowledge to be acquired. Bill Dad said as a parenthetical, here's the problem, Job, we're just, we're just not here long enough. Just too short. Oh, the brevity. <laughs> the brevity. That's why some of us old gray-haired folks get something of a chuckle when we hear young people spouting as if they're great. They are the vet, they are the vessels of great knowledge. They haven't even been here 20 years. And already they think themselves invested with great resources of knowledge. No, the problem is brevity. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 and 7, And the voice said, Cry! And he said, What shall I cry? And the answer comes back, all flesh is grass, and all the God, uh, goodliness thereof is like the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The problem is a problem of brevity. There's just not enough time. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24, All flesh is as grass, and the glory of a man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof faileth, falleth, uh, uh, falleth away. It's too short. It doesn't last long. And then again, of course, in that text in James chapter 4 verse 13, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get, a, get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Says build that to Job. The problem here is there's just not enough time. We run out of time. Uh, 
Not many people believe that, do they? Nobody really believes. I say this in the jail all the time. Brother, Brother Jacob can testify to it. I say this in the jail all the time. Nobody really believes they're going to die. Not today. <laughs> Did you wake up this morning believing you're going to die today? I don't think so. Not sure the thought even crossed your mind. If it did, it crossed very quickly and you went right on with your plans. You seldom ever meet anybody that believes they're going to die today. Not today. Brother Runberg and his wife went to bed just a few days ago. They didn't plan her to die that night. The brevity of it. Do you believe you're going to die? What about today? You could. You could. The cooler down there, Piedmont Hospital, is full of bodies. People didn't believe they were going to die today. But secondly, if we are to be successful scholars in this school, if we are to be pupils whose lessons are well learned, then we need this second piece of knowledge. We need not only in the first place, to understand the cause of our need. But we also need to know, secondly, the source for our counsel. Verse 8, I love this. Inquire, says Bildad to Job. Inquire, I pray thee, of the former age. And prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. Verse 10. Shall not they teach thee and tell thee and utter words out of their hearts? Where is Bildad telling Job he needs to go to learn something? Because he's declared plainly, we know nothing. Where do we need to go to learn something? We need the wisdom of former ages. We need the wisdom of former ages. You understand that the antediluvian fathers typically lived 900 years plus. It seems that as time marches on, we I hear a lot of talk about this all the time. I'm hearing people talk about the fact that, oh, the life expectancy is more than it's ever been. Really? Ever? Ever since when? I mean, before the flood, 900 years was a man in his prime. 900 years. Do you understand how many books I could read in nine? Hundred years? 
Do you understand the knowledge that could be amassed in 900 years? Brevity. Our problem is brevity. We don't have much time. And so what we need to do, says Bill Dad, we need to look back. We need to go back to those fellows that have already gone, that have already walked, that have already lived, that have already learned. We need to go to them and get some knowledge. Take advantage of that knowledge. Oh, Job, says Bill Dad, go and inquire from a former age. <laughs> oh, says Bill Dad, Job, dear Job, inquire of the former age. There's an interesting Hebrew word right there, that former age translation. There's an interesting Hebrew word and this beautiful Hebrew imagery. The word literally means to circle. It circles. He says, go and inquire into the circles of antiquity. And there's the concept, the imagery there is of a thing that keeps going around and around and around. Time, it just keeps moving around and around in circles. And so there's a great deal of wisdom and knowledge that can be attained from looking at the circles. You don't have to invent the wheel again. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to start as if there's never been any knowledge before. This thing is in a circle. You need to look at the circle. Do you understand? A be I wish I could. I don't know how to describe it. But there's a glorious Hebrew word right there. Former age. It's the word circles. And then he says, prepare thyself. The Hebrew rendering there is literally make yourself ready to be established. Assume a posture where you're ready to be established. <laughs> this is the proper posture for a teachable spirit. Get in this posture I'm just putting it in the John Suttles translation. Bildad says to Job, get yourself in this posture and look at this circle. Go back. Go back, Job. Go back and they will teach you. It's no wonder our modern culture is doing everything they can to destroy the knowledge of the past. By destroying the knowledge of the past, they can get off of the circle, ignore the circle, and create a new road, they think. But even that philosophy is old as time. The source for our counsel, in my outline, that note, the source for our counsel, is looking back. Look back. Look at the circle. Look back. After all, after all, 
in the light of them, says Bill Dad, you know nothing. You know nothing. And surely it goes without saying that whatever those sources were that Bildad is recommending to Job. Whatever those sources were that he had in mind, we don't know, but whatever they were, for us, it is this volume of antiquity. If we're to look back, yes, we look through the pages of history. Many of us cherish it and do it all the time. Yes, we do. But the real source of true knowledge in this whole matter of death and what comes after and preparation for eternity, we're going to have to go back to this most ancient doctrine. This Bible. No wonder blessed Anne Steele somewhere in the mid 1700s said this. Father of mercies, in thy word, what endless glory shines. Forever be thy name adored for these celestial lines. Here springs of consolation rise to cheer the fainting mind, and thirsty souls receive supplies and sweet refreshment find. Here the Redeemer's welcome voice spreads heavenly peace around and life and everlasting joys attend the blissful sound. Oh, may these hallowed pages be my ever clear delight and still new beauties may I see and still increasing light. Divine instructor, gracious Lord, be thou forever near. Teach me to love thy sacred word and view my Savior here. Here's the source of knowledge. And any attempt at pretended education, instruction, or knowledge that does not turn here as its foundation is a false light and leads to darkness. cause of our need. Adam's fall and our neglect of the former times. But the source is to look. Look back. Thirdly in my outline because we are so weak in apprehending because we are so Loathe of instruction. I give you the analogy for our instruction. All of you teachers here this morning, you know the value of analogies, don't you? You use them from the tiniest child right up through college. The value of analogies in your instructions. Even the youngest mind can apprehend a truth that's embodied in an analogy. And here 
is an analogy well suited to get our hearts to comprehend the certainty of death and the brevity of life. Look at this analogy he gives us. Verse 11. Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without, well, that's a water plant, by the way. We might say in our culture, we might use the water lily. What does a water lily do if you take it out of the water? Well, <laughs> it withers, he said. It withers, verse 12, it withers before any herb. Whilst it's yet in the greenness and not cut down, it withers before any other herb. What in the world is he saying? He's giving us a beautiful analogy. Anybody can understand this. The plant. It, it, it can't live. It can't live. It can't live without the water. It, it can't live. You understand that simple analogy? It can't live. Oh, the simplicity of it. Do you have it this morning? Do you get it? Do you believe it? Do you believe this simple analogy? The brevity of life? Look at the flag. Can it, can it live without the water? What about the rush? Can it grow without the mire? It can't do it. He's trying to press home the matter, press home this truth with an analogy. Children can understand. But I give you a fourth point he makes that carries that analogy, that carries within an analogy. I give you the point that we must learn in this school the uncertainty of all earthly certainty. <laughs> I chose my words there. Oh, the uncertainty of all of earth's certainty. Verse 13. So are the paths of all that forget God and the hypocrites. Hope shall perish whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web. Now you're talking about simplicity. Simplicity of understanding. Actually, the Hebrew word, there is the word that's used. It's the word house. It's also used in the next verse. He shall lean upon his house. He said, whose hope, the hypocrite's hope, is like, his trust is like a spider's house. A spider's house. What a picture. <laughs> The smallest child, Jacob and face little daughter, can understand a spider web. Right? I mean a spider web. What a picture. The smallest child in this congregation can grasp this lesson that you can't rely with any strength on a spider's web. You just touch it. And it's broke. The wind can blow on it. And it's broke. What an illustration. The slightest wind. 
can bring it down on the poor spider's head. Here's the little spider. He's in his house. You've seen those little webs. They make that little funnel and the spider's down in there. That's his house. But his house is built out of spider webs. And it won't stand. He's pressing again. He's pressing and pressing and pressing this knowledge about this life. The brevity of it. The certainty of death. The uncertainty of the world's certainties. They're like spider webs. They're like spider webs. He says such is the hypocrite's hope. It's just like that spider web. I saw some when I went in this morning into my prayer room. There's a big trash can right there. And the top of it's got all these little spider webs. How strong is that spider web? Nothing. How strong is the hypocrite's hope? There's nothing to it. Nothing at all. It won't stand. Matthew chapter 7, verse 26. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built this house upon the sand. Another illustration, an analogy, if you please. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. We're not surprised at We get the same reaction. Oh, my dearest soul this morning, are you a student today? Are you well and truly enrolled and applied yourself to this knowledge? To the knowledge of these things? Are you enrolled as a student or are you just auditing the classes? <laughs> week after week, month after month, year after year, sermon after sermon, you come and you're just auditing the classes. You have never enrolled. Just auditing. I'm just here to listen. I don't have any accountability. I'm not answering. I'm not taking any exams. I'm just, just listening. You know nothing. You know nothing. You know nothing. But can I just leave you with this thought? You may think you're just auditing these classes. But there's an examination day. And you're going to sit the exam. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, and that's every single one of them. You may audit the classes your whole life. 
and die and go out into eternity. But I'm telling you, if you've never enrolled and gotten this knowledge, look back, look in the circle, get the knowledge. If you don't have it as your personal experience, you'll stand here on exam day. You'll stand with the rest. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged. Every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Four times in two verses. Dead. The word dead. The dead. The dead. I've preached a number of times in the jailhouse on the walking dead. <laughs> that gets everybody's attention. They're called dead. Four times in two verses they're called dead. But they're not dead now. They're walking. They're standing according to this text. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. They're standing up. They're standing on their feet again. Dead. But they're standing on their feet again. I'm going to ask a simple question and close. Are you enrolled in this school? Bill Dad, Bill Dad's school. Are you enrolled? Or are you just auditing classes? You're going to sit the exam one day. You better look back. You better look back to the former days. Better look back to this ancient textbook. Find out where you are. Turn with me in your hymn book, please. If you will, stand with me again. Sing together number 406. Despair 
Chased from my laboring breast Thy grace it is Which prompts the prayer That grace can do the rest My life's brief remnant All be thine And when thy sure decree Bids me this fleeting breath resign Will speed my soul to thee